This is Jason Holleran. I proudly served for 33 years, culminating as the Deputy Commandant at West Point. Put this on your calendar. World War II weekend inside Old Bethpage Village Restoration on Long Island. Scores of operational vintage armor in formation May 18th and 19th. Nassau County Executive Bruce Blakeman invites you to join him in saluting America's greatest generation and all those who have worn the uniform in defense of our freedoms. That's May 18th and 19th, presented by the Museum of American Armor. A name you know who's in the know. It's the Cindy Adams Show, 77 WABC. I'm about to introduce Dr. Robert Lajita. Patients call him Dr. Bob, professor of medicine at Rutgers, chair of medicine at Newark Beth Israel, professor of medicine at New York's Rockefeller University, etc., etc., and just out with his 15th book, Immunity Strong and My Friend a Lifetime. Dr. Bob, first, tell me, what what is this week's news on the vaccine and coronavirus? Nobody understands. Yeah, so Cindy, good to be with you. Thank uh, you. First of all, the, the, the news out is that people who are vaccinated can get infected. And the Delta variant, which is a very, very transmissible and highly infective uh, mutant of the virus, which I will explain in a moment, that can infect you with great efficiency, about 300 times more powerful than the alpha virus that we had back in early 2020. So as the virus goes forward, and remember, it's not living, it's a particle that uses our cells to replicate. As it goes forward, the more people it infects, the more likely it is to mutate and become something else perhaps stronger, and in some cases, weaker. So that's called mutation upwards and mutation downwards. But we hear in the news about the mutations that are very infective and that cause very severe disease among the unvaccinated. And that's what the big news of the week is. You're considered one of our foremost immunologists and the go-to for autoimmune conditions like lupus and arthritis. So... You will know, and I don't have an answer, I don't understand, is it transmissible to the vaccinated? And what if they're wearing a mask? Yes, it is transmissible to the vaccinated. And uh, President Biden uh, yesterday, I think, said that it's not transmissible to the vaccinated, and that's not true. And he was called out on that. It is transmitted to the vaccinated. The difference is, if you're vaccinated, you're not going to get as as people who are unvaccinated. So I call this the pandemic of the unvaccinated. And that's very, very important to know. The pandemic of the unvaccinated, because if you're not vaccinated and you get this Delta variant, and even perhaps the Lambda variant, which is just out of Peru, another mutant, by the way, you could wind up in our intensive care unit on a ventilator and your chances of dying are very, very good. Despite your age, Cindy, you can be between the age of 12 to 60 and get this variant and really succumb to it. Okay, when when it started, were you in the trenches in the hospital with these cases? Yes, I was. And that was a very scary part of my life because um, uh, I was chairman of medicine at the time at St. Joe's in Patterson. And we happened to have a tremendous number of cases. 
uh, largely because of a big Latino and Arabic community in the area, more than uh, just as many, if not a slightly less Arabic and Hispanic community than Dearborn, Michigan, I'm told. But uh, the death rate was extremely high. People were dying left and right. uh, And every day I thought I was going to succumb by getting infected. I wore masks. I wore uh, shields over my eyes. I I dressed up in Tyvek suits and wore gloves, sometimes double gloves. And I walked around the wards and it was it was like a tsunami of illness. Uh, I started out on one floor, which I closed only to covid patients and then another floor, then another floor, then another floor. And I worked with a physician in chief who at the time was Dr. Joe Duffy. And he's really a great guy. And the two of us put our heads together and said, what the heck are we going to do? So the main thing was we didn't have enough intensive care beds. We only had 28, which is a big intensive care unit. So we had to get another 25 intensive care beds. So we closed the surgical ICU. We closed the cardiac ICU. We put another ICU in the emergency room and all over and so on and so forth. And we had all of these patients dying. And I actually had a tough time getting intensive care nurses there weren't enough of them, so they were coming in from Colorado to help us. Um, we we didn't have enough doctors, and when you know when some doctor got sick, and I had seven residents in my training program get sick, they wound up in the hospital, uh, and if they didn't, they were quarantined and had to stay home for weeks on end. So the shortage just multiplied, and this whole 2020 was, uh, as Queen Elizabeth would say, Cindy, an annus horribilis, a horrible year. I remember often that you actually rode in the ambulances with people. You were on that, whatever that call, whatever it was called, to ride in the ambulances. You did that. EMS. EMS. And I still do that. I still do that. Um, I've been the director of emergency medical services now for the local town. I'm the director of the town I live in. And I'm director, medical director, police surgeon and fire department doctor as a volunteer, as a volunteer in the town next to us, uh, Ridgewood, New Jersey. And I am um, I'm not paid, but I enjoy doing it because it's really going out there and helping people at their worst time. And, and when I when Cindy and I and I don't know if your listeners know this, but you were very big during 9-11 writing some wonderful pieces and you and I spoke yeah I know yeah 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 uh, and during 9-11 and and I was director then as a hobby I was that was not my full-time job I was medical director for emergency services of Hudson County New Jersey which included Jersey City and Bayonne and Edgewater and Fort Lee and all that whole okay area. let me ask you before I get to your book which I know I'm stuck with having to talk about but before I want it I want some free medical advice to put it simply yes. dr. Bob what are we plain simple souls supposed to do how are we to survive right now okay so right now the way we survive is we if we are vaccinated we and if we're not vaccinated you go out there to your CVS, to your free vaccination site. Most hospitals have a free site and are giving vaccines. You get yourself a vaccination, either Moderna, the Pfizer vaccine, or the J&J one-shot deal. And that's your best bet right now. Now, if you're in a closed space, like a church, a gymnasium, uh, you know, open Yankee Stadium, and you don't know if the guy or lady next to you is vaccinated, wear a mask. 
that person who doesn't have a mask may not be vaccinated. Okay. And he or she, and I hear this all the time, you know, oh, excuse my coughing and sneezing, doctor. They come into my examining room and they say, I have allergies. Well, I don't know that. I don't know they have allergies. They could be sporting the COVID variant, the Delta variant. And I don't want to take any chances. So I wear a mask and I wash my hands before I see the patient and after I get finished with the patient. And I wear, uh, I, I keep my distance except when I'm examining the patient. But again, I wash my hands. And that's the best thing you can do right now to protect yourself. Tell me, tell me what is happening. We're reading about it every day with the Olympics and Japan. It's a mess. But what actually is happening? Oh, it's a, it, it is a bit of a mess. Now, the Japanese people, are not happy with the fact that the Olympics are happening. Japan, at last, and I have the statistics right in front of me here. I'm glad you asked me this. Japan, only 17% of the population have been immunized versus 68% of Americans. So in Japan and in India and in Brazil, the numbers of vaccinated people are very low. And therein lies the problem. The problem is that the people of Japan are not terribly vaccinated and the Delta variant is is running rampant in a country like Japan. Now, there's also a shortage of doctors and nurses uh, in Japan. Um, Only doctors and nurses in Japan are allowed to give injections. So only they can give you the vaccine if you're there as a a person living in Japan. But we we have a plethora of physicians from India, China, many countries. Why is there a dearth from Japan? Uh, I guess because the society in Japan, first of all, it's very difficult to function in Japan unless you speak Japanese. And I don't think the Indians and Spanish and Americans would be ready to go over there, nor do I think that the Japanese would have us. They have to import their vaccines, and they're not likely to import doctors. There are strict, uh, severe restrictions on mandatory quarantining in Japan and I think one Japanese doctor who uh, I, I don't know, but I hear is quoted, Dr. Hitoshi Oshitani, who is one of the health ministers, uh, says the three C's, avoid closed spaces, avoid crowds, and avoid contact situations with other people. He's put that out throughout the Japanese media, and that's why there's no audiences at the Olympics, just the Olympians. And now there's over 1,200 cases of Olympians from all parts of the world who are positive for COVID. Isn't it so that Japan is not really welcoming all these foreigners coming in for the Olympics? That's correct. They are not welcoming them at all. But fortunately, when they come in and they are they are tested, as soon as you get off the plane, you are tested not once, but perhaps several times. And you go to the Olympic Village and you continue to get tested. Yes, these and, and you know, the Japanese are very fond of quarantining, as I said. So you will be quarantined and you will not be allowed to mingle with either the Olympians or the people, the regular Japanese people in Tokyo or other parts of the country. Okay, I want to get to your new book, but one last question. What would be the best way to handle the current Olympics problem in Japan other than not to have the Olympics? (laughs) Well, that's been tossed around. Uh, People have said, including the health minister of Japan, that maybe this is not a good time to have the Olympics. But remember, it was postponed from last year. Yeah. And uh, right now, all the restrictions have loosened up. Uh, I frankly am not in a position to recommend to the Japanese what they should do. But it is it is an issue. 
And um, I think the Japanese are on top of it. And right now, the prime minister, who I heard last night speaking, said that he was very happy to uh, to host the Olympics. Right uh, he's now. an idiot. Okay, so. onward. I'm, I want to hear very much about your... Well, he is. I want to talk about the new book. I've, I've heard so much about it. This is your 15th book that I myself have read. This is called Immunity Strong. You are reporting that a natural healing power can let you live to 100. What, Dr. Bob, what the hell do you mean? Well... I mean that, and I call in the book, um, the book is called, originally was called The Biological Soul, because what I believe is that there is a soul in us that is physical, a biological soul. The immune system goes throughout the body. It affects every organ in our body, and it's really engineered by our brains. And so the mind-body-spirit part of the immune function is really what I'm discussing in one or two chapters of the book. Now, you know, as a, as a legitimate scientist, I don't want to get too schmoozy, but, you know, my wife, who is an artist, who you have met, Cindy, yeah, yeah. was the one who suggested the biological soul, because I, do, I began to describe for her, and she is the great Carolyn Palmer, a well-known uh, sculptor and painter. Uh, she said, why don't you just call it the biological soul, because that's what it is. The mind really controls our function of the immune system, um, and, and by that, it's a very scientific process that the mind controls. Using communication molecules, these molecules that circulate around in your blood, which we call cytokines, they're all regulated by stress, happiness, uh, and uh, the kind of things we eat, the emotions we feel, whether you're spiritual or non-spiritual, all of that has a great deal to do with immune function. Okay, let me and just I, ask as a simplicity. Doesn't much of it, these illnesses, come in many cases from states of consciousness? Isn't that what you're saying? Yes, that's correct. States of consciousness are very, very important. The immune system of people who are not, um, who are not in immune, or let, me, let me put it another way. People who are incapable of thinking, people who are um, mentally disabled, that's what I'm looking for, people with hereditary conditions that prevent them to be totally um, competent are at great risk, for example, of COVID infection. Uh, we know that people who have certain chromosomal abnormalities are susceptible to COVID. But we also know that people, and, and this is in the book, that some of the conditions that we have, behavioral like depression, like schizophrenia, like autism, may all be related to what happens in the immune system. And I go out on a limb in saying that, but I back it up with, with data from the scientific literature. It's a little bit complicated, but I try to simplify it in the book so that everybody understands it. Well, hasn't med medicine changed? Years ago, physical conditions were never connected to spirituality. That's the new thing today. Isn't that so? Isn't that where we're going? That is true. You're absolutely correct. But we still don't understand how spirituality affects our bodies. We do know, and this is, this is ageless, I mean, thousands of years we have known that 
spirituality does affect the way we have resistance to infections. It enhances our immunity and it affects almost every aspect of our lives from the biome. And I have a whole section on the biome, you know, the bowel, the organisms in the bowel, the organisms on the skin and how we actually affect these organisms and how these organisms help to protect us. For example, somebody with a certain kind of a bacterial um, colony in their bodies will not respond to the COVID vaccine the same way as another person with a different bacterial colony in their bowel. We know that autistic children that have um, certain kinds of organisms growing in their bowel are different than children that do not have. Um, okay, let's get off the bowel part. Do you yeah. you write that the biome. you write that the, the you write that the immune system is like a bodily police force. What That's right. What, what does that mean? Well, it's a protective network. It's a protection system that has existed long before the concept of a police force. And so you have all sorts of units within the body, different kinds of responses. The innate response, which is immediate, and that's what happens when you get infected with the the COVID virus. That innate immune response has its particular kinds of cells, which raise alarms. There are actually defensins and alarmins in the blood. Those are the names of those proteins. And they alert other cells to react, and that's the second kind of immune system is called the adaptive immune system. And that's the immune system that makes the antibodies that you hear about, these proteins in the blood that attach to foreign invaders like the COVID virus. And that that is part of your immune system that is very, very strong and robust. And the vaccines produce this kind of cellular immunity, which is long-lasting, maybe negates the need for a booster shot. And it also produces the humoral immunity, which is what makes these neutralizing antibodies that everybody likes to measure, providing, say, uh, protection. Oh, my gosh, I have antibodies. Antibodies are only one part of the immune response. Okay, so what's so great about how you, my friend, you live? What do you eat? How healthy are you? Well, I try to keep my diet as good as possible. Oh, but like please, I've eaten with you. Planet. You do not. <laughs> <laughs> and I've even paid. I've even been the one who pays the bill. And I've seen what you take in. You, okay, tell me. You'll eat I'm lousy like fried like foods like the rest of us. <laughs> I've seen it. Well, <laughs> well you know, you, yeah. you try to eat good yeah. food. Yeah. And I mean, the food that we eat, we try not to be too fat. And the most important thing we have to do is exercise, because as I say in the book, and I don't know if you've read the part on exercise, yoga, yeah. um, meditation, all of those things have a great effect on your host resistance and on your immune system. They're really, really, it's all tied together. And the Asians, the Chinese, the Japanese had it right. They've been meditating, doing yoga, uh, you know, Tai Chi, Qigong, all of these processes that I've seen when I visit China are very, very important. Uh, and they are all part of the uh, of keeping yourself healthy. And that's why people live a long time. People who proscribe these various events, uh, various things, these diets. How long did it take you to write this thing? It took me five months. 
And how did and they how did fast. they how did they pare you down from your psychological conversations? I mean, everything you say is so medical normally that we can't understand it all. Yes. Well, I had a developmental editor, a brilliant guy in Boston named Jim Eber. And Jim is a real pro. And everything I wrote, I sent to Jim, and I let Jim read it back and say, do you understand this, Jim? And he said, no. And he, <laughs> he's not a scientist. He's a writer. And he said, no, I don't get it. And I said, okay, I'm going to rewrite it. And finally, I got the hang of it, and I started writing very, very simply. And at the very beginning of the book, if you read the book, I have a note that says, I'm Dr. Bob Lahita, MD, PhD, and all my sundry initials and fellowships with this society and that. And I said, but then there's Dr. Bob. And Dr. Bob is how I talk to uh, common people, my patients, my family, uh, so that you can understand me. It's a very conversational book if you've read parts of it. Well, I I have. Were you eating any lousy food when you were writing it? (laughs) Of course. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, really. I mean, the way you're talking, we're supposed to eat just gravy and we're supposed to eat oatmeal and we're supposed to run 25 blocks. Who the hell can do all that? You're right. Nobody. But you can do your best. You can do your best. You can get on the bicycle two or three times a week. If you have one of those bicycles at home or you can get out in traffic, just be careful. Yeah. Or you can you can get on an elliptical if you've got bad hips and knees and go up and down and run uh, on the elliptical for a couple of miles. And if you if you're really in good shape, you can be in either run outside or you can get on a treadmill in the gym. Now, the problem with the gym is everybody's grunting, sweating, uh, yelling. Uh, that is not the place to go if you've not been vaccinated because you're in the gym. You're definitely going to, you're, you know, sure as God made potatoes, you're going to get the COVID. So you've got to be careful. You, you just can't uh, run amok. Well, what is you know civilization what I mean? basically supposed to give up? Smoking, drinking, lousy food, sex? What? What, is, what are we supposed to do? What? No, you, you, you exercise well. You eat a good diet, making sure you don't have too many carbs. I personally like meat. There are a lot of people that are only vegetarians. All of these things have great merit, and I write about that in the book. But I also advise people to really become spiritual, sit back and meditate at least three or four times a week. It only takes 10 minutes to do that. Uh, You can meditate. You can do yoga and stretch. Keep your body as though it's a big metropolis. I think I used that example. It's like a big city that has many working parts. As we age, just like the city ages, you know, the pipes start to rot, the, uh, the uh, various parts of the city start to fall apart, and it requires that you stay healthy. And take your, a lot of people take vitamins. A lot of people take supplements. And I talk about, and I have a section in the book about herbs, Oh, forget it. All I know is the next time I'm stuck taking you to dinner, I'm going to give you some spinach, (laughs) vegetables, and you can shut up. I love you. I love you. I love you, Dr. Bob. It's your turn for dinner, okay? (laughs) Goodbye. I love you. I love you. Goodbye. Goodbye, Goodbye, babe. 
This is Greg Kelly for Priority Gold. What does it mean to be America's precious metals dealer? It means that you're in touch with the hearts and minds of those who love this country, value our freedom, and want to protect the future. Priority Gold is that precious metals dealer. They've helped thousands of Americans back their retirement with solid gold and silver. Call Priority Gold at 888-506-6439. Receive free shipping, free storage, a free investment guide, and one of the best purchase experiences in the industry. Call now or go to PriorityGold.com. 